We know them in the Christus narrative as the Magi. Can you imagine when they each morning they climbed on their camels to begin another day? The rising sun at their back. People stared at this strange trinity of travelers as they made their way through villages. Can you imagine that mothers hurriedly pushed their children back into the safety of their homes as some irrational fear that even passing through a town and looking into their eyes would bring some deadly, incurable magic? And so they say to their children, Close your eyes! Close your eyes! Don't look into their faces! Who knows what evil could come from merely a glance from them? Over a time in history and in tradition, um, they're given names. They sound like a, names from some Tolkien manuscript. Their names in tradition are Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. They're driven by a quest and a question. Their quest was to follow the star to its destination. And they also came with a question. These extraordinary characters ask a crucial question that moves us closer to Bethlehem in this Advent season. The question is simply this. Where is he so that we can come to worship him? Just as we were singing a moment ago. So if you have a Bible this morning, turn with me please to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. And keep it open. We'll kind of refer back to that several times. Matthew chapter 2. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of law. And he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And woven into this story, as you'll see in a moment, is an identical question that we must not fail to see. It comes from King Herod. Verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find them, report to me so that I too may go to worship him. You understand that here we have two entirely different people asking the same question. We want to worship Jesus. But they have two entirely different motives. The Magi are searching for Christ to worship him. But Herod, a man whose heart is dark with power and riddled with fear and paranoia, wanted to find Christ to kill him. The character of Herod reminds us that when power that power is insidious, when it is not grounded in goodness, and ultimately in God. And Matthew gives us an important little line in this story of the Magi that we seldom think about. It says this, 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi returned to their own country by a different route. We'll return to that in a minute. And so you see, lying in a manger even as a baby is the one who will not be, will not be king one day, but even as a baby he is the one who is king. The whole cosmos turns and pivots on who he truly is. This king is already full of grace and truth, as John says. And later he'll declare that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this trinity of travelers come to worship him as king. They come to bow down as the truth that they have been seeking. And in contrast, someone who has the earthly title and the designation of king, an evil ruler called Herod, also says that he desires to come and worship him, but his words merely mask his true intent, which is not to worship him as king and lord. Rather, it is to murder him. King Herod, you see, cannot stand the thought of competition. And any competition, even a baby, will have to be eliminated. And so it says in Matthew chapter 2, if you get down to verse 16, When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. We seldom read that part of the Christmas narrative. Because frankly it is an unpleasant and a distasteful story of infanticide. It's called, in a painting, the slaughter of the innocents. It offends us, as it should. And we turn away in disgust. And we might ask ourselves, why is it recorded? Why is it woven into this story of how love of God came down to touch the earth? Why is this clean and innocent story of silent night, love's pure light, spoiled and desecrated with the cries of murder and the slaughter of children? It seems so out of place. Why is it there? Let me suggest to you this morning for a few minutes that these two opposite responses woven into the Christmas story, the wise man seeking Jesus to worship him and King Herod seeking Jesus to kill him are intended to challenge us to think today about how we respond to the truth of God in our own lives. Especially as it's incarnated and expressed in Jesus. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. How we respond to Jesus as King and what we believe about Jesus as the truth reveals more about us than it really does about Him. The narrative that intertwines the The question of the wise men and the dark motives of Herod expose the state of our own heart and the condition of our world. Let me suggest as it was then, the same is true for us today. Whether we know it or not, each one of us is on a quest. Out of his experience in the Nazi concentration camps, Victor Frankl came to the conclusion that the search for one's meaning in life is life's most fundamental pursuit. He said that in one way or another we're all asking, Who am I? 
And why am I here? And the tragedy for many people, particularly in North America, it's not that life is too hard. It is frankly that life is such a bore. They have really no idea why they are here. For many people in cities like Vancouver and in our society, they have so much to live with, and yet frankly so little to live for. This is the recipe for a life wandering in meaninglessness. And this loss of meaning slowly filters down through our society to each one of us and can take its deadly toll. We need to realize that modern Western civilization is really the first society to have no agreed on answer as to the purpose of life. In the midst of much material plenty, we suffer from spiritual poverty. You see in the newspapers, even this morning, they're now beginning to gather up the names of some of the people, many of them young people, men and women, who were involved in the Vancouver riots after the Stanley Cup game in June, July, whatever it was. And they're asking them, why did you do that? And their answer is, we don't know. We don't know. But God has left us clues to fall, kind of like breadcrumbs. And the trail begins in Bethlehem. He declares in the ultimate sense that this baby, this Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And when he declares he is the truth, it means that the ultimate meaning of life cannot be found, cannot be understood, cannot be lived apart from that Jesus. And so like the search of the Magi, this impassioned, this relentless search for meaning for our own lives reaches its goal when we discover Jesus and all that he truly is. And this quest is more than philosophically important. It is as vital to us as the air that we breathe. So the question is, what will we do when we come to Bethlehem? How will we respond when we come to this baby, this one who lies in the manger? And you see, in the story of the Magi, the wise men teach us how to respond. They teach us that we come and we bring our gifts, and we bring our lives that we've carried in all of our hearts, and we lay them at the feet of Jesus. That is what we are made for, and that is who we are. But don't forget Herod. I think his evil story is left in the pages of scripture to teach us that the struggle of our society does not come from the absence of knowledge. Rather the struggle that we see in our society comes again and again from the suppression of truth. The dark heart of Herod is the personification of the darkness in our society. That's what the book of Romans tells us. Romans chapter 1. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of men. And here's the phrase, Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what is being made known about God is plain to them, because he says God has made it known. But we suppress the truth in our wickedness. Perhaps because there is a residue of God's image left in each one of us. I believe that people innately know, they innately know, 
that child pornography is wrong. We were challenged last Sunday morning by Brian McConaughey. I got his name right? Thank you. Talking about rescuing seven and eight and nine-year-old girls from brothels in Cambodia. One of our little granddaughters had a birthday party this week. And we went one night to the birthday party and you sing happy birthday and she decorated little cupcakes and shared them with everybody. And she had some new little toys for an eight-year-old girl. And I sat at the end of the birthday table, the dinner table in our son's home, looking at her. And a few days before, Brian had me talking about eight-year-old girls in a brothel in Cambodia. And I watched this little girl, as eight-year-old girls should be, at her birthday party. Playing with some new toys and decorating cupcakes so we could all have them for birthday. I think we know, we know, that abusing eight-year-old girls in Cambodia and in any other city is wrong. We know that the abuse of people is wrong. We know. We know that it is wrong to kill prostitutes in the downtown east side. Polygamy in our country does not need really to be defined and defended by the Charter of Rights. And people who want these kinds of things want to satisfy the darkness within them and the only way they can do that is to suppress the truth. The moral dilemmas and the struggles that we face with the enormous social, relational, financial costs for the most part in our society do not come from the absence of knowledge. Rather they come from the suppression of truth. We have a society like Herod that is sought to kill the truth by suppressing it. It is this willful suppression of truth that results in an assault upon everything sacred in the pursuit of everything that is profane. This loss of truth, like the loss of innocence, filters down into our day-to-day lives and takes an enormous, enormous toll on our society. And so we so easily squander the sacred to protect the profane. We make what is holy into something ordinary. We regard the mundane as consecrated. We sacrifice the eternal for the immediate. But when truth is revealed and confronted, truth always exposes the state of our own heart. It always exposes the degree of truthfulness or darkness that exists in our own heart. Very simply, truth reveals what is in us. Think with me that truth naturally rises in our lives. Each one of us instinctively, innately, knows what is true. I sense that we have to work hard to block truth out from finding its way into our hearts and lives. It takes effort to close our minds to its penetrating power. Truth never moves, never changes. Rather, it relentlessly reveals and exposes our intent. Whether we are Magi or Herod. So we're all on a quest. Even today, in one way or another, it's a quest for meaning. It's a quest for purpose. 
We may be like the wise men searching it out. We may be like shepherds just trying to get through another cold night in the fields. We may be like Mary and Joseph whom we'll visit next Sunday. Somewhat uncertain about what lies ahead. But we join them anyway on our road to Bethlehem. And the ultimate question is, how do we respond this Christmas to the truth about Jesus being king? Remember that line in the story? I asked you to kind of note it in your minds. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi returned to their country by another route. Remember that line? Remember I said to you last week, you have to read all the words? There's that little line. Being warned in a dream, the Magi returned to their country by another route. You know what that teaches us? It teaches us simply this. That when we come and meet Jesus... Alfred prayed that we would lay our lives at the foot of the cross. When we come in a moment to this table and take bread and this wine, when we come and meet Jesus as the truth, that line reminds each of us that we cannot return unchanged, untouched, unmoved to where we came from. It teaches us that we cannot retrace our steps and go back to the way things were. It teaches us then we have to go back another way. We have to find another route for our lives. So their quest over. And their question answered. Where do we find this Jesus to worship him? Gaspar, Melchior, Balthazar, or whatever their names really were, I don't know. They climbed up on their camels and headed back towards the sunrise. And not far outside of Bethlehem, They come to a fork in the road. On their way towards Bethlehem, they come down the road on the right. This time they paused. Without saying anything. They knew that Herod was not to be trusted. They looked at each other. Each of them thinking exactly the same thing. Without a word. They silently turned their camels on the road to the left. And they started home, taking another route. You just have come to church this morning. That's all. Most of you, almost all of you, come here every Sunday. We're just going to church again. Let me ask you. If you come in, in a moment to this table... Remembering that even this baby in the manger was the king that would go to the cross. <coughs> As you take communion, as many of you have done many, many times, a cup of wine, a piece of bread, pause and pray and take it. Let me ask you, because you've confronted the truth this morning, how will you go back another way in your heart? How will you take another route home in your life? in your mind because we cannot we must not leave this place in 30 minutes or so unchanged untouched by the truth